0: Hey, everybody. It's me, Will.
1: And me, Kristen.
0: And real quick, before we get started, we want to talk to you about Stories with Sapphire, which is hosted by Sapphire Sandalo, creator of the Something Scary web series and podcast and paranormal expert on the Travel Channel's Paranormal Caught on Camera. Stories with Sapphire provides a multicultural perspective on the supernatural through stories, interviews, and poems.
1: So I recently started listening to the show, and it's a mix of kind of heartwarming stuff about people connecting with dead loved ones, but then also terrifying messed up stuff about demons. But it's all presented in this kind of calm, comforting way that I'm enjoying Extra right now. So Sapphire created the show to celebrate supernatural experiences of all kinds and to offer insight on the paranormal from a Philippine X perspective, something that she believes is severely lacking in the paranormal community. So she really emphasizes a multicultural look at these things, and she shares stories and insights that might end up changing the way that you think about reality.
0: New episodes of Stories with Sapphire come out every Wednesday on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can even watch Sapphire on Twitch, where she's going to do live stream drawings of her thumbnail artwork. So head to Stories StoriesWithSapphire.com, that is Sapphire spelled S-A-P-P-H-I-R-E, to find more information about the show and also submit your own story, which... Kristen and I already recorded an episode with Sapphire.
1: Yes, we did. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I loved talking to her, and I actually love talking to her so much that two of my friends have already set dates with her to go on the show as well.
0: It was wonderful. Yes. Uh, yeah, can't wait for you all to hear the conversation we recorded with Sapphire, but for sure, go check out Stories with Sapphire now. Links in the show notes. Now enjoy the show you know the dead person will be found by a body of water right and then you find the body and you know they're nowhere near water
1: was a bottle of Evian found anywhere nearby
0: yeah i didn't say a body of water i said a Mm body of water
1: (laughs) hello welcome to guides the unknown i'm kristen
0: and i'm her little brother william
1: and this week we are talking about paranormal crimes Things that have obviously basis and consequences in real life, but a connection to the other world.
0: Yeah, we're going to be talking about uh, a very particular case, um, a somewhat notorious case um, that a lot of people theorize there is a macabre bent to. Mm-hmm. As well as talking about the concept of psychic detectives, that being literally psychics who offer their expertise to the police to help solve crimes. Yeah,
1: police expertise.
0: Yeah. But before we get into all that, we want to uh, let you all know a few things. First of all, if you've never heard Guide to the Unknown before, we are a brother and sister duo. We do this show every Friday. It comes out on all major podcast apps. Another big thing about that that we want to point out is that there is also a video version of the show. So a lot of us are spending a lot of time at home right now. A lot of people, I think, typically would listen to a podcast in their car on the way to work. Um, If that's how you enjoy Guide to the Unknown, wonderful. If that's not what you're really in the mood for right now, direct your attention to youtube.com slash talkbomb, where you can watch this show on your phone, on your tablet, maybe even on your television.
1: That's right. So you can see us talking to each other. You can actually see our faces. It it isn't just a still of our logo with the audio over it. You're actually seeing us having the conversation that you would just be hearing otherwise. You can also go to patreon.com slash GTTU pod where for $4 or more per month, we put out a monthly bonus episode, but also lots of extra goodies on top of that, many of which are videos. So that's another resource. If you're kind of in a watching Mode more than listening at the moment
0: yeah uh, so make sure that you stay tuned to at gttupod on twitter facebook and instagram to keep up to date with all of our projects and if you need even more guide to the unknown consider going to patreon.com slash Pod. if you back us on our netherworld warrior level starting at four dollars a month you're going to get access to a ton of bonus material Literally just this past weekend, Kristen and I, purely for the hell of it, recorded and uploaded a commentary for the movie Scream 3. That means we've got full-length commentaries for the first three Scream movies sitting on our Patreon waiting for you. We got a lot of great feedback on them, too, by the way. I know a bunch of people who watched Scream 3 purely to hear our commentary.
1: I know, and there's audio only and video for each of those commentaries. So really Locked and loaded over there.
0: I genuinely think it might be some of our best work. I Scream 3 is widely considered to be the worst of the Scream movies. I think it might be our best commentary. I think so,
1: too. I agree. I think that was the best one. Yeah. Maybe it was like a. it had to even out Maybe. somehow. Yes. You know what I mean? Like we, <laughs> The universe was like, they don't need to deliver too much on one and two because those are good movies. If people are going to watch Scream 3 with them, then they better be saying some good stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. The cosmos has a way of balancing Exactly. Out. Divine balance. Uh, but yeah, check all that stuff out. A bunch of links are going to be in the show notes um, mm-hmm. if you want to uh, do any of those things. That's and right. thank you all so much for joining us. And
1: also, we never say it, but if you ever want to get in touch with us, you can email us at gttupod at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, send us some emails. Yeah, absolutely. Send us stories, things that you want to see on the show in the future. Yeah, totally. Cool.
1: Okay, so I'm going to kick us off by talking about who put Bella in the witch elm. Mm. So Will talked about this on the show last week because he mentioned the hand of glory and how that factors into Harry Potter. And the hand of glory is a concept that shows up big time in the story of Bella in the witch elm. Now we are in good company because we got messages from a few people letting us know that they actually ended up covering... um, who Put Bella in the Witch Elm on BuzzFeed Unsolved on YouTube this week. So just total coincidence.
0: Yeah. Is that one of those things of just the idea being out there in the air?
1: I think so. It you doesn't know? seem like there's any new Bella in the Witch Elm news, but they cover Unsolved Mysteries and it's a no- notorious
0: Unsolved mystery. so. Well, we called dibs on it last week. Yeah, that's
1: right. Our, th- our thing <laughs> came out first. Their but, show um,
0: is amazing, to be fair. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> yeah. Li-
1: there's, so there's BuzzFeed Unsolved and then there's also BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural, which is about spooky stuff Bella who put Bella in the witch elm was on BuzzFeed unsolved so hopefully I'm gonna be covering a little bit of a different angle I didn't watch that deliberately because I didn't want to I don't know get any ideas in my head or like plagiarize accidentally but I'm gonna cover obviously some of the crime because it is what it is but I'm going to talk way more about the uh, the witchiness of it and a little bit less speculation about who Bella is, because I would imagine that's probably what they covered. I could be wrong and I do the exact same thing as them, but I'm just putting it out there because I'm sure a lot of our listeners and viewers also maybe watch them.
0: Yeah. Plus, maybe it'll be fun for all of you to see both and cook up your own opinions from there.
1: Yeah, totally. Okay, so this happened in Hagley, England in 1934. There were four boys, now I'm doubting myself, I kind of think it was 43. Did I have a, <laughs> a moment? Mm, I, think, I think it was 43. Okay. I think BuzzFeed Unsolved might be besting us already.
0: <laughs> Facts. That's one for BuzzFeed Unsolved.
1: Yep. Okay. So there were four boys who were running around in the woods like teenagers, and one story said that they were looking for rabbits and bird eggs in the woods. That's what they were playing around doing. So I realized this means that this episode has a little Easter tie-in. Yeah. Rabbits and eggs?
0: Yeah, what? Who's scrounging around in the woods looking for eggs? I guess if it's 1943,
1: I guess there was another source that said that they were looking for birds' nests. So, I hard to say which, but they were playing around in the woods either way and doing. It sounds kind of wholesome stuff, searching around for nature things.
0: Yeah, you get the eggs to eat for your breakfast and right. the nest for a nice little hat
1: or for a nap. <laughs> Lay your head on it like a pillow.
0: <laughs> They're to curl up in it. They're like, how small are these boys? <laughs> They were young boys. Okay.
1: Um, So they're running around the woods doing God knows what. And they found what they originally thought was an animal skull inside a hollow witch hazel tree that one of them had climbed up and peeked into. Now, another source said that... It wasn't a literal witch hazel tree, that there was this creepy looking tree that the locals had nicknamed the witch elm. Oh. Hard to say. But I looked up the witch elm, and it is a scary looking tree, and it reminded me of a picture of the man-eating trees that you talked about in episode 32 of Guide to the Unknown.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: So hard to say. It was either literally a witch hazel, or a witch elm tree, or just called a witch elm because it was a scary tree.
0: To be clear, is a witch elm a type of tree
1: it seemed like it from what i was researching
0: but they may have this may not have literally been a witch elm it might have just been a tree that they called a witch elm yes interesting
1: correct because maybe they had heard the word witch elm um and applied it to that one because it looked like a scary tree yeah i don't really know i just figured i'd cover all the angles that i came across sure so one of the boys climbed up this tree i don't think super duper far or anything but shimmied up it and then looked down into it and saw what they thought was an animal skull. So they're like gross little boys and they decide to pull it out. And when they did, they realized the skull had human teeth and hair. So they got freaked out, understandably, Partially because they weren't even supposed to be in those woods in the first place. Right. So, like, you know, you think you're going to get away with it scot-free, and then there's something that could tether you there and get you in trouble it or whatever. It
0: is funny. To, like, that is a, a little kid mindset of, we just found a dead body, but the first thing that I'm concerned with is, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm not supposed to be here.
1: Right. I don't want to get grounded or right. anything. Um, and so they said that they weren't going to tell anybody about it. They put everything back in the... The tree and got the hell out of there. Yeah. Now I haven't seen Stand by Me, but is Stand yeah. by Me kind of like this, where like little kids come across something kind scary? of?
0: Stand by Me is really interesting. I think I only saw it for the first time. I'm sure I saw bits and pieces as a kid, but uh, Stand by Me is more about four boys who hear a rumor, okay, that somebody died because they were hit by a train, and they go on a little adventure to see the body.
1: Okay, and okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: that is their destination. They want to see the body, okay, yeah.
1: I was just thinking about four boys doing a scary thing on their own
0: i it's it's interesting. I mean, stand by me is almost an inversion of this event, which I guess is true, yeah, so far, right? like, yeah. four boys find a body in a tree. What happens from there versus four boys hear that there is a dead body. They want to go see it. Right. I feel like both could be coming of age tales. Yeah, totally. Yeah. These boys came of age real fast. (laughs) Oh, they did.
1: They grew up. So they, you know, they all went their separate ways, said that they weren't going to tell anybody, but the youngest of all the boys told his parents because Mm. he was freaked out by it. And his parents called the police. So when the police got out there and started investigating what was inside the tree, they also found, in addition to the skull that the boys had found, a skeleton, and there were other items in the tree that gave them some context for who this person was. So with research and everything, not just the cops pulling stuff out and figuring it out, they figured out that it was a woman who had given birth at least once, who had dark hair and had, quote unquote, irregular teeth. Hmm. Um, a wad of taffeta was stuffed in her throat, so they assumed that she was asphyxiated. Asphyxiated.
0: What is, what is taffeta?
1: It's it's a uh, fabric. Fabric. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, her hand and one of her shin bones were buried next to the tree, rather than inside the tree with her, which is kind of weird. And they estimated that she had been dead for at least a year and a half when they found her. So part of the reason that Bella is still well. I haven't even gotten to why she's called Bella, but let's just already shorthand her as Bella.
0: Yeah, we know the case as who put Bella in the witch elm, so... Right. Yeah.
1: So one of the reasons it's been impossible to find out who she is is that this happened in the midst of World War II. So there were tons and tons of missing people all over Europe, hmm. and I she kind of got... Potentially lost in the shuffle in a way. Um, And even though there were all these missing people reports, missing persons reports, there was no one matching the description of the woman reported missing. And there were no dental records that matched her teeth. They also checked with like dentists in the area. And when you say in the area, because this was during World War II, it's not like they had access to the Internet or something like that. So they were searching as thoroughly as they literally could with their manpower and the connections that you can make with the technology available at the time, but that's not super duper far. So this, the fact that it was nobody local coupled with some of the personal items that were found with her led police to think that the woman may have been German or Dutch. And then since it, okay, since it was the forties, it was definitely 1943. They didn't have access to a worldwide database or anything. So they couldn't really easily reach out to like German and Dutch police. And with nothing to go on, the case went cold. So now here is where we start to get into who put Bella in the Witch Helm. Because as we are now, this thing happened. Nobody knows who it is. The trail's cold. And I'm sure some people started to forget about it. Obviously, there weren't any relatives of Bella in the area. Or else they would have reported her missing. Yeah. Or when they heard about the case, been like, oh, that must be my relative, my friend, whatever. So it seems like this woman was really... Um, not a part of the community, and so you would imagine that the memory of this kind of started to die out.
0: Yeah, as far as anybody knows, at this moment, there is just a body found in a tree. Right. It's a shame we cannot find out who it was. Yeah, exactly,
1: and it's not affecting anybody's daily life, to tell you the truth, so it kind of starts to die out. So originally, when it hit the press, they called it the tree murder riddle. Which oh. is, it doesn't trip off the tongue beautifully.
0: They, yeah, I guess people got better at writing headlines <laughs> later. <laughs> the
1: tree murder riddle.
0: They didn't I really mean, need clickbait, right? That's true. Although, I suppose that headlines are probably invented to sell papers because you can see them. They're giant fonts. You can see them down the street.
1: Right, so they are, in essence, clickbait of the time. Tree
0: murder riddle? The tree murder... What, One what of ac- your finest papers, please. What accent is this? I won't say where I'm from. What is that? I'll never tell you where I'm from. It's kind of British. It is the riddle that you must solve. (laughs) Where am I from? (laughs) Did my accent change several times there? Yeah. Hmm. Well, you're a master of disguise. I hail from several countries. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) You kind of sound like Conan. That's a new character that I'm coming up with. Who? Lil' Conan? Yeah, Lil' Conan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so they had originally called it the tree murder riddle, but... As we know, the thing that makes this case most infamous and gives it its shorthand title is the graffiti that started springing up about it. About two years-ish later, I saw a couple different sources about it, but some time had passed either way. The words, and this is the first known graffiti from what I read, the words, Who put Lou Bella down the witch elm oh. appeared on an empty building near Christmas in a nearby town. Oh. Yeah. Lou Lubella. Bella. Exactly. So, um, and I wrote down which elms and which hazels are similar trees. So they kind of get mixed up again. Not sure. It's really not even that important, but yeah, yeah. anyway, so that was the first one, but then more graffiti started springing up. And first there were like variations on the theme. Sometimes the name was Bella. Sometimes it was Lou Bella and Hagley wood came up a lot. Cause remember this was in Hagley, England. It was in the woods. So they're calling it Hagley wood. And sometimes it was just as simple as graffiti that said, Hagley Wood Bella. But after a while, it seemed like the artist or artists, because we're not sure if it was one person or a bunch of people who were putting this around, kind of settled into a common phrase. And all the graffiti after a while, anything new said, who put Bella in the witch elm? with the only variation being whether they spelled it W-Y-C-H or the way you think of which is being spelled W-I-T-C-H.
0: I I really like the spelling W-Y-C-H. I do too. Um, There's something to it that um, is almost dorky because it makes me think of when people spell vampire as V-A-M-P-Y-R-E. Yes, it feels
1: more magic-y.
0: Yes, but it's spooky. Yeah. And this is a spooky phrase to be graffitied anywhere.
1: I prefer the W-Y-C-H. I think... Think that it's W Y C H because the tree is actually called that.
0: Right, it's actually correct.
1: Right. Um, it
0: also makes maybe me... it
1: is how ha- maybe that is old world talk for just witch yeah, as well. True. But I don't know.
0: It also makes me think though about like the zodiac misspelling words.
1: Oh yeah, it's like deliberately throw off.
0: Well, that's the theory that the zodiac yeah. was deliberately misspelling. But like yeah. the, regardless, I mean, I I can't help but hear the fact that somebody graffitied who put Bella in the witch elm and think that it is a. You know, um, the a person. hypothetical question. Yeah. Because it is whoever is doing the graffiti themselves.
1: That's definitely kind Catch of- Catch was... me.
0: Who put Bella in the witch elm? figure that out and you can stop me that's how I hear it
1: that's definitely what they thought because they're like who's how do you know their name is Bella we don't know their name is Bella the person who killed her must have been the one who's writing this and has some sort of inside information
0: yeah you're right taunting with new info right but we don't
1: know it's it definitely was said that around the time that like all that new graffiti that's a little bit more relevant to the time the case happened because I'm sure people just spray paint it now for the hell of it but it was all written in block letters and all in white so it seemed like similar handwriting but they They couldn't swear that it was all done by definitely the same person. Sure. So let's see. Okay. So nobody contacted the authorities with any information about an actual Lou Bella or Bella. So um, the police adopted the name as a shorthand for the woman. But again, the case kind of went cold because the only new information is this graffiti and it's really no new information. Yeah. So there's a little pop of attention on the case again, but nothing actually concrete. So the first public spooky theory about the case came out two years after the discovery of the body. And so this is where now the spooky and supernatural stuff comes in. Up to now, it's just been kind of a cold case. But now we have some stuff that's become part of the lore. And it fits in so perfectly with the witch elm and all that kind of stuff. Even the name Bella, I feel like, is like a little bit of a mystical ish name it
0: feels very fairy Mm tale-ish to me bella i think translates to beautiful yeah right so there's there's i don't know there's a classic sort of feeling to it
1: if you didn't know that it was about a murder who put bella in the witch elm sounds like it could just be kind of like a fairy tale maybe she was hiding in the witch elm or maybe it's a little girl who grew up inside
0: a tree or something like that it also has that that uh Vibe of a, a horror movie title, yeah. almost like whatever happened to Baby Jane?
1: Mm, yeah, who I put could, Bella in the witch elm?
0: Yeah, I could totally imagine a who put Bella in the witch elm that's sort of like a Rosemary's Baby, yeah, type of vibe, right? It's 70s. a perfect name. Yeah,
1: frankly, whoever got the artist to kind of settle. And just decide that it's who put Bella in the witch helm made the right move.
0: Yeah, they killed their darlings. Mm-hmm. They stopped making it Lou Bella. Yes, right. Like they they pared it down to just the bare essentials. Came up with a great catchphrase, and, and then bam, stuck. you've got your Toynbee Tile phrase
1: forever. It is Toynbee Tile-esque in a
0: yeah very minor way. Rinse, repeat.
1: Yes. Okay, so the first public spooky theory about this that brought a theory to the case that's supernatural was from a professor of anthropology and archaeology from the College of London named Margaret Murray. So she suggested that the woman, Bella, may have been killed during an occult ritual conducted by the Romani, where her hand was removed to be used as a hand of glory. So Will talked about this in our previous episode just the one before this about harry potter but to recap a hand of glory was a dismembered hand used by burglars to make the owners of homes they wanted to steal from fall asleep mm-hmm. so that they could kind of go in undetected and so murray based this theory on the fact that bella's hand was buried separately from hers or excuse me separately from her separately from bella Oh. Um, This doesn't make a ton of sense to me for a few reasons. First of all, traditionally to make a hand of glory that has these kind of properties to it that can be magical, the hand used for this was supposed to be the right hand of a criminal who has just been hung and cut while they're still hanging from the gallows. So would cutting a hand from a presumably innocent woman negate its power? Well, And then you leave it there?
0: Right. The leaving it there, yeah, there are a bunch of reasons why it doesn't make sense. Yeah, Um, Everything that you just pointed out, but I will also say, just for the sake of argument, if we don't know who Bella is, Mm -hmm. who's to say she was not a criminal oh completely you know so like
1: but if you presume innocence and we're supposed to do that sure um,
0: fair enough fair enough but like yeah you're also right that like especially what i read last week you're supposed to like pickle the body for like five fortnights or something like there's a whole there's a procedure. Yeah.
1: And it seems like there are different iterations of the procedure. There's the pickling or you could dry it, but either way you're using the hand, not yeah, just was... chopping it off and then burying it. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, I wonder, you know, sensationalism is not a new thing. No. So was this just a way of, what, getting attention or contributing to the conversation for this person?
1: Okay, so here's the thing. Um, It's an interesting, you know, but very holy theory, but it comes from somebody who seems to have witches on the brain anyway. So Murray wrote several books on the history of witchcraft, and in one she even suggested that a secret group of witches had infiltrated the British monarchy and killed several kings. Oh. So does this mean, and like, you know, hard to say sake of argument does this mean that either it was confirmation bias and this lady thinks about witches everywhere so she's seeing evidence of witchcraft everywhere or to be a little bit more generous does this just mean that she's kind of uniquely qualified to spot this kind of thing
0: well mm, yeah I, i i see what you're saying I, I think it's funny, I, I, especially when we get into like what I have to say later. Mm-hmm. I think that you and I work really hard on this show to try to ride that line and yeah. give benefit of the doubt wherever possible. Right. Um, I think maybe what you just brought up and my topic for later brings up a very interesting situation where I think the only recourse is to go, no, yeah, not true. Yeah, Like <laughs> this person suggested no that witches this. infiltrated the monarchy and killed kings. Right. Yeah, I think she had witches on the brain. I think Sorry. she had witches on the brain, too. I like to believe but. in this stuff, but I like to believe in this stuff pre- predominantly for fun. When it's, like, for weird purposes of, like, gaining attention, fame, notoriety, or making bizarre accusations. Yeah.
1: yeah. I'm willing to believe stuff like this, but this just isn't striking me as believable. The evidence for this seems very thin.
0: It's loose as a goose. Loose as a goose.
1: And also there was a journalist who wrote a series of articles around the time this happened. Like it, it was contemporary, the articles that he wrote. And he addressed Murray's theories and said that people just kind of like jump to blame everything on the Romani. Mm. Like they're always doing evil stuff and whatever and just kind of discounted it because of that. And it was a good point. It was a little bit more involved than what I just said. Sure. Um, But not a bad point. Um, before I move on to another part of this story that I didn't know about, to be fair, I've not been an expert in this story, I didn't know a ton about it, but sure. I wonder if this is going to be unique information before I move on, move on to that, I just want to say another thing about the Hand of Glory, and that's that it could be used in a couple of different ways and I was trying to remember whether you said these ways or not on the show last week and I couldn't remember because as we've addressed, we both black out entirely while we do the show yes. and uh, don't remember anything that happened uh,
0: a thousand percent, so I'm yeah.
1: sorry to our audience if this is a repeat, but it's very short, luckily.
0: Uh Hey, listen, if you're all getting repeat information about the Hand of Glory... <laughs>
1: yeah, how bad is...
0: Exactly. Count your lucky stars, really. the Hand of Glory rules. Yeah, it's
1: really sweet. <laughs> um, so, just like literally <laughs> practical use-wise, the Hand of Glory could be used in a couple of ways. So either the hand was kind of used as a candle holder... With a candle held between the fingers and you're holding on to the hand, like you're walking through a place with a torch or something like that, but it's a hand holding a candle, or the hand was used as a candle itself, and the fingers would be lit like they were wicks. And there was a saying or a a thought that if one of the fingers didn't light, then it was a sign that someone in the house was still awake.
0: So oh, proceed
1: with caution. I love that. I know. Isn't that sweet? I love that. I know. It's awesome. So to go back to Murray and her theories, yeah. she linked the Bella in the Elm case and this occultism theory to the murder of a man named Charles Watson in 1945, so two years after Bella's death. Um, And not long after she came out with her theory, it's like she came out with this idea that it was witch-related, and then this guy died, or was killed, and there were ideas that his death had an occult angle, so she kind of conflated them and said that this might be kind of part of the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's just basically the fact that it was near Bella and similarly occulty that made her think that it was related. Nothing concrete that you can actually find between them. So... I looked up this guy's death because it was kind of just a, a throwaway remark in something I was reading. I was like, well, what's this other occult death? So it was a man named Charles Watson, and he was found killed at a farm that he was working at. His throat was slashed and he was pinned to the ground with a pitchfork. So it didn't take long for locals and the police to make a connection to the death of a woman in a nearby town named Ann Tennant, who was also killed with a pitchfork in 1875, 70 years prior to Charles's death. She was attacked by a local man who said that she was a witch and that he would kill the other witches who were living in their midst in the same way. And he was later committed to a mental hospital. Mm. But the fact that both these people were killed with pitchforks, um, you know, was noticeable. And then, because her death had a witch angle attached, it seems like because of that, a witchcraft angle got attached to Charles. 70 a, years later. 70 years later. But still, you know what? There's not the internet. They don't have that much to, else to think about. They're not getting flooded with information. Maybe things are a little bit fresher.
0: How great would it be if you could get a quote from somebody where they're like, why do you think that this is a witch? There, somebody was murdered 70 years ago, and somebody 70 years later was murdered the same way. Yeah, right. And their response is just like, Look, I don't have that much else to do.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: It's the 40s.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, what else am I? How? Why am I going to forget this? This is a big deal. Yeah.
0: It's entertaining.
1: I don't have like a million Kardashian episodes flooding the rest of my mind space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've got this.
0: Yeah. So I'm just waiting for the Kardashians to be born.
1: Right. Once they're born, I'm not going to remember anything that happened 70 imagine? years ago. But as it is now, of course I remember her death.
0: If time travel was that blatant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like so he was like, listen, the Kardashians. I'm waiting. I'm waiting
1: once they come in, I'm not going to have room for this stuff. So I'm just going to enjoy it while I've got it. Yeah. So not only were their deaths similar, but it's possible hard to say because of spotty records at the time, no fault of their own, but just how could you keep perfect records back then that Anne tenant was Charles Walt's uh, Charles Walton's great grandmother. Possible. It's like, I don't even remember. They, they kind of outlined the family tree sort of thing on the Wikipedia page that we have linked in the show notes, but it wasn't super duper clean.
0: That's, an yeah. interesting concept.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, yeah. My great grandmother and yeah. then great grandson were killed, not exactly in the same way. So because it it all gets jumbled and everything. Right. So because Charles Walton's death by pitchfork was so like grisly to be pinned to the ground with a pitchfork, yeah. people kind of it seems like remember Anne Tennant as having been killed the same way, but it's not true. She was just not just she was stabbed with a pitchfork. Oh, a okay. bunch of times. Yeah. Um. So not exactly the same, but still a unique. To be killed by a pitchfork. So obviously I understand why people, you know.
0: If the most recent pitchfork you're going to is 70 years ago, sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, it's right there. (laughs) Okay, so people started to kind of say, I think because of the angle of and Tenet having some sort of witchcraft allegations against her, even though it was brought forth by somebody who was mentally ill, those things kind of stick. And the pitchforkiness of it all attach that to the Charles Walton thing. And even the main investigator in the case of Charles Walton came to think that the murder had ritualistic overtones. So it's weird. And it's one of those cases of like memory playing tricks on you and the influence of information that you get affecting the facts right in front of you, because there are no mentions of anything like this at all in his initial report. But then 25 years later, the main investigator, Robert Fabian said, and this is a quote, I advise anybody who is tempted at any time to venture into black magic, witchcraft, shamanism, call it what you will, to remember Charles Walton and to think of his death, which was clearly the ghastly climax of a pagan rite. There is no stronger argument for keeping as far away as possible from the villains with their swords, incense, and mumbo jumbo. It is prudence on which your future peace of mind and even your life could depend. Could depend. Wow. So strong words, and people have acknowledged that Fabian was aware of the legends around Ann Tennant's murder. And he was also aware of a book called Folklore, Old Customs and Superstitions in Shakespeare Land. And that book included a story about a young plowboy named Charles Walton who encountered a black phantom dog on his way home from work multiple nights in a row one time with the dog walking next to a headless woman. And in these stories in the book, it said that that night Charles Walton heard his sister had died. So we don't know for sure that this is the same Charles Walton, but because it's supposed to have taken in the same area and the ages could match up. Walton would have been about 15 at the time they're talking about this story. It's conceivable that it could have been about Charles Walton, but more important than that, it's it's conceivable that Fabian, could have assumed that this was about the Charles Walton who was in front of him and then had that color, his thoughts about everything. So
0: that's crazy. Isn't it nuts? That's like a bizarro case of life imitating art, Mm -hmm. which may have imitated life.
1: Yes. It's, it's kind of confusing to think about. It's very chicken or the eggy. I don't
0: want my detective to get me conflated with the other Will Rogers. (laughs) I don't know. You know know what I mean?
1: Will Rogers did pretty well for himself. Uh, I would, I would ride that all the way home.
0: Listen, I'm, I'm fine with most comparisons, but if he's like, <laughs> so let me get this straight. My victim, Miss Will Rogers, was into rope tricks. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, it'd be like, no, 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 no. You're
1: ruining the sanctity of this investigation.
0: Different people can have the same name. <laughs> it doesn't mean that.
1: And different people can be killed by pitchforks. Sure. Yes. Let's keep it at the fore. Exactly. So these kinds of theories weren't necessarily at the fore right away. In fact, they may have come around because of the connection that Murray made to the witchcraft theory about Bella. So like I said, kind of chicken or the egg. We're not sure which started which. Um, Like we said in the preliminary investigations, police reports, there was nothing about the involvement of witchcraft. But then in the years after his death... Rumors started to circulate that Walton was a witch who could cast the evil eye, which means basically like uh you know doing harm to anybody that he wanted to. That he kept toads as pets, that he could use to ruin the crops of local farmers. Oh. So he could be like, "Go!" <laughs> and then have them like ruin all the corn or whatever. Toads,
0: go. <laughs> yeah. Go toads.
1: And <laughs> this is kind of badass. And I feel bad saying that about the way somebody died. The theory of this is kind of like, it's kind of sweet. I feel like this is something that would be in a movie or something. Um, So because there was a rumor about him using the toads to ruin their local crops, there were whispers that his death was a kind of counter ritual to soak the ground with his blood to help replenish the crops that he had destroyed. Whoa kind of badass right
0: that is a badass theory but it's also crazy it's
1: crazy i know um people also say that black dogs were roaming the area around the time it happened like grims harbingers of death wow and so was any of this stuff true no probably not (laughs) i mean there's no like actual evidence of i don't know there aren't direct quotes from somebody being like i know charles walton and he He summoned toads to ruin crops or whatever. It's all just hearsay. And so would Bella, I wonder, have had the same things said about her if we knew her identity? Maybe it's a little bit easier to pin rumors to somebody when you know exactly who they are and you can be like – it's easier to build a rumor if you're if you're like, okay, Charles Walton was a farmer. Yeah. So he probably was competitive with other farmers. And your mind can go, he probably ruined their crops through witchcraft. Yeah. We don't know Bella's deal. There are ideas about who she was, and you can look those up, but we don't know for sure. So it's harder to concoct a story around her because she's just a complete blank slate.
0: Yeah, she's a total mystery. Right. So to to be clear, with that case, we never find out who. No. Did it? We don't even know who did the graffiti.
1: No, we don't know anything. Who
0: put Bella in the witch elm?
1: Yeah. It's such and a scary thing. And we don't know for phrase. sure who killed Charles Walton either.
0: Yeah, wow. It The the particular phrase, who put Bella in the witch elm, also feels very Stephen King mm-hmm. or something, right? Yeah, you kind know.
1: of. I don't know it's not quite dorky enough
0: uh i guess but it's very it's very like taunting and it's very like part- i guess the phrasiness mm-hmm. of it right like it's it's its own enc- i think of stephen king a lot as like he'll come up with a really good phrase mm-hmm. and then just keep like red rum yes. use it a million 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 times yeah. who put bella in the witch elm popping up popping up popping up feels very something of a story it's just Mm -hmm. i guess part of it is that it's larger than life yes it seems
1: like something that wouldn't happen in real life and yet
0: yeah it's crazy right absolutely crazy so um some of what you were saying i think is really interesting what what is the name of the person who suggested that this could all have been witchcraft
1: uh oh uh her last name's murray
0: yeah murray Mm -hmm. so i think that planting that seed that notion in everyone's heads that what might otherwise just be a A really, you know, uh, fact-based, mundane crime story all of a sudden whips everybody up into this frenzy of witchcraft, think outside the box, rituals, occult, uh, sadistic killing for the sake of appeasing the soil.
1: And out of nowhere, with no evidence whatsoever, just an idea that kind of took off because it's interesting. It's, the, it's interesting to talk about.
0: And it, it and it absolutely is. Yeah, But it seems like sometimes the mere act of saying it mm-hmm. makes it become true to right. a lot of people. Right.
1: It's crazy.
0: And that is why I'm going to be talking to you about our next topic uh, where uh, we're going to dig a little bit into psychic detectives. Mm-hmm. Psychic detectives are literally the psychics that supposedly help out on homicide cases to give the police insight that they otherwise wouldn't be able to get from the evidence. I think that we are all familiar with the idea here. Mm -hmm. The police are stumped. They have no suspects. The evidence is not pointing in a clear direction. Uh, They don't know what to do. They don't even maybe know where the crime scene is. Maybe the person is just missing. They don't even know how to find them yet. In comes a psychic gliding into the room. I had a vision. I sensed something. I saw the murder through the killer's eyes. What is their deal? It's a little different from just a psychic. Yeah. You and I recently went to a seance mm-hmm. where we supposedly made contact with the other side. Right. Understandably, tons of people take issue with that. Sure. Um, a psychic detective is purporting to help. Mm-hmm. But what if they're really a hindrance? So, I'm going to. Um, I found already, like right off the bat, through digging into this, I didn't know the term. I just knew the idea. And I couldn't even necessarily point you to like instances where I've seen this play out in film and television before the idea of a psychic weighing in. I think of it, yeah. I guess, as something that I, I would have seen on Unsolved Mysteries or something. Mm-hmm. But. It turns out psychic detective is, in fact, the actual term, so much so that it has its own Wikipedia page. Oh, I didn't know that either. Yeah, to explain the psychic detective. And they explain that uh, the way this operates is psychic detectives uh, would need to have post cognition, Mm -hmm. meaning perception of the past, rather than precognition, which I think we're all more familiar with, which is seeing the future. Post cognition, I'm seeing things that have already happened that I was not present for. Psychometry. Which is information psychically gained from objects. Yeah. So I've heard of that. Give me the victim's teddy bear. Oh, now I can sense something about them. Telepathy, dowsing, meaning literally divining where something is by feeling the air, Mm -hmm. Uh, clairvoyance, and remote viewing. Um, And then I found this just by sort of doing a little light digging around. I found a document on CIA.gov. Yes. Welcome to all the government agents who are now watching the show. Yeah. (laughs) I found a document titled Use of Psychics in Law Enforcement, which was approved for release in the year 2000. Um, Here's a quote from the beginning of it. During the past year, numerous articles have appeared in national and local newspapers and magazines describing the use of psychics in police investigations. I initially upon reading this document that's trying to explain the use of psychics in crime yeah you know uh, crime solving cases Mm -hmm. I'm involved in a lot of crime solving cases.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is a weird way to phrase that. I don't know why the hell I said that.
0: I I instantly read this and assumed the next phrase was going to be like, this is poppycock. It's ludicrous. (laughs) Right. It goes on for a little bit and says, it does appear that some psychics have provided valuable assistance to law enforcement on specific cases. Okay. They did a a little survey. Um, And so they dug into police precincts that have consulted psychics. To see how they felt about the experience. And they point out that in these cases, sometimes psychics led to the discovery of a body. Um, And the remainder of this document doesn't seem to be any sort of a condemnation Mm -hmm. of using psychics for what otherwise you think of as purely boots on the ground logic work, forensic science honestly just scientific process
1: i mean i the way that i feel about all this stuff sorry to interrupt and it would apply to this as well is that as long as it's not to as long as it's not replacing any of those things what
0: no you're i I agree with you
1: yeah as long as it's not replacing that stuff as long as you're still going through all of those processes Uh then you know then it's like all right let's give it a shot
0: i broadly broadly agree with you Mm. if it's an addition yeah to Cold, hard
1: yes. work. not a replacement.
0: Then like, I don't care who you consult as yeah. long as you're doing the job. Yeah. But as I'm going to get into, frequently the the work, the help provided by the psychic detective is not useful in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. which is partly why I'm starting off with this document from CIA.gov. I yeah. was really surprised to find it. Now, again, this is a document that was approved for release Twenty years ago, right? I do not think that this document is a representation of how our government broadly operates. In no, I mean
1: there are all kinds of weird little um, fringe, yeah, things having to do with the CIA. Like that movie and book, *The Men Who Stare at Goats*, is about an experiment in telepathy conducted by the CIA. I don't remember what episodes. I'm sorry if this bugs you guys, but they did the CIA did experiments with Yuri Geller about remote viewing and stuff like that like yeah. they're willing to try this stuff out because like what if it works hey. and because they're trying it out They document it.
0: I fully want to believe that the government is constantly up to this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to believe that the second that you are sworn in as president, they're Mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, feel free to give your first state of the union, and then we're going to whisk you away and tell you the truth about ghosts, Bigfoot, aliens, and you can't tell anybody. I I want to believe that this is all happening behind closed doors. I
1: used to kind of think that that might be happening when you become president, but now I don't
0: think Uh, so. No, because I think we'd already know. know. We'd know. we know it all. Yeah. Um, I couldn't agree more. But um, so – this document could have been written by somebody who is a believer who also mm. works in the government rather than it's the government's belief that you should do this. It yeah. one person establishing these rules. But even still, this document that I'm going to be reading to you from is a document that's essentially providing the best practices for working with a psychic that's if you're awesome. trying to solve a crime. Um, so here's, here's a quote from the document. And this sort of speaks to your point. The psychic does not replace the sound investigative techniques, but functions as an investigative tool. Courts do not recognize psychic testimony. Cases solved with the assistance of a psychic must be reconstructed using established police procedures before presentation in court. That's good. Optional interpretation of this passage, though. Uh A psychic provided you the name of the killer? find a way to prove it otherwise. Right. 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 Do yeah. whatever you got to do. Yeah, totally. Do whatever backflips you got to do, but you can't tell the judge that a psychic found it out. Right. Yeah. Um, and then here is the conclusion um, uh, drawn up by whoever wrote this document. I do not know who. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, again, based on the fact that they surveyed different police precincts who had already used psychics. So here's the conclusion of this document. Once again, titled use of psychics in law enforcement. Once again, this is on the CIA's website. Yeah. <laughs> Conclusion. Based upon this survey, it would appear that a talented psychic can assist you by helping you to locate the geographic area of a missing person, narrow the number of leads to be concentrated on, highlight information that has been overlooked, provide information previously unknown to the investigator. Even talented psychics cannot be accurate 100% of the time. Not all the information provided by a psychic may be pertinent to your case. The key to good results is careful selection. So this pick a crazy. good psychic. Pick a good psychic for yeah. your detective work. Isn't that yeah, it's wacky? nuts? As much as this could be written by, you know, a, a lone individual mm-hmm. who works for the government, who like maybe they're like, didn't I tell you to sort through all those papers? Why are you writing yeah, how to consult like psychics? Yeah. yeah. I told you to file this paperwork. Do they
1: do that though? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know either, but, but let's, this assume, document, let's assume no.
0: Yeah, who knows? But like <laughs> people could In the government or on on police forces, read this document and be like, ah, so it's condoned. Right. I should definitely reach out to psychics.
1: But again, I would hope, you know, I would hope that if you're on the police force that you're going further than that and not just being like, oh, I should reach out to a psychic and that's the end of it.
0: I completely agree. I'm you kind of hope. providing a, a worst I know, case I know. scenario. I know. But I just don't really like it, especially because we're going to get into some of the faulty.
1: I can be too trusting. Kinda. The faulty
0: evidence of the psychic. Yeah. Well, I also think that Guide to the Unknown is a place where we distinctly try to believe. I think that sometimes um, I uh, put on my believer hat on this show.
1: But I'm even talking about being a disbeliever it would give me comfort in this. I'm talking about being skeptical in a way and hoping that the police who come across this would be skeptical.
0: Oh 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 yeah I would hope they would yeah, be skeptical Yeah that's what I too. mean
1: I'm I'm being too trusting as in I trust that they wouldn't just go all in on okay, That's what good. I mean good
0: yeah I see what you're saying Yeah, yeah I mean
1: I I'm trusting that they would be skeptical I would
0: have to think that like 99% of people would read that document and not walk away from it going Better look for a psychic in the yellow pages. Yeah, right. But still, that means one percent are, and how? What percentage of we don't know murder that. cases do you want a psychic on?
1: I don't know. Again, if it's in addition, then yeah, all of them. Sure, why not? <laughs> all of them? <laughs> yeah, why not? If it's in I've addition, I've got a psychic task force. Yes, if it's in addition to the cold hard police work procedures, right. then yeah, all Sure, why the hell not?
0: Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I. I... Well, here's why not. I'll I'll, I'll tell you what. We'll treat this like point counterpoint. Here's why not. On Wikipedia, on their listing about psychic detectives, um, they talk about how there have been a number of scientific studies conducted regarding psychic detectives. Uh, There was one in 1960, one in 1982, and another in 1997, which essentially wanted to test the efficacy of psychic detectives against police Mm -hmm. and against kind of sort of average Joes, they describe them as students. I don't know if that means students of law. Yeah. Um, you know, people that are in training to be police. I have no idea what students means. Mm-hmm. And to be sure, um, a lot of science is about, you know, testing to find out what the results are and then retesting to make sure that your methods yeah. were sound. Yeah. So some of these studies, it is pointed out on the Wikipedia article, weren't mm-hmm. um, completely like set up Vetted. properly. Yeah. But even still... All three of these studies ended up coming away with the following. Um, Never did psychic detectives ever perform any better than anybody else. Mm -hmm. The way that they typically set it up was that they would give each of these groups evidence from crime scenes. Um, Some of the crimes had already been solved. Some of the crimes had not been solved. Can you look at the evidence and tell me what happened? And so the psychics never... Never, never, never did any, any, any better. Hmm. Um, Let's see what I got here. To assess the claims of psychic crime solving, the Committee of Scientific Investigation of Claims of the Paranormal, now referred to as the Committee for uh, for Skeptical Inquiry, established a task force of investigators. The group recorded many failures by psychics to provide useful information to criminal investigators and felt that psychics may use retrofitting... Meaning after the fact matching, Mm -hmm. offering vague clues, and then trying to retroactively fit them to details that are only discovered later. Yeah. So this is that classic case, and I think this also comes up again a little bit later, of a psychic saying the body is by, you know, the dead person will be found by a body of water. Right. And then you find the body, and, you know, they're nowhere near water. But they're like, well, but there's a sewage plant nearby.
1: Right, exactly. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So I was right. Was a bottle of Evian
1: found anywhere nearby?
0: Yeah, I didn't say a body of water. I said a body mm-hmm. of water. <laughs> a body. A body. So a little bottle of water, that counts and I'm psychic.
1: But again, I will say this study was conducted by CSI, the Center for Skeptical Inquiry. Yeah. So it's not exactly uh, um, unbiased source you know what i mean
0: this is interesting i feel like i don't know uh, you you pointing out i don't really
1: but i have no horse in this race truly (laughs) i don't know but i'm just saying like it's not like i i thought this was conducted by like the police association
0: i don't think that they really want to be associated
1: the police yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so i'm just saying it's it's not totally unbiased
0: I okay you're Yes, you're right Right? that the source is from the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry. Wouldn't you say that if
1: it was from, like, Psychics of America? You know?
0: I need to, like, study debate. (laughs) Because I feel like you've just bested me in this conversation.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, but I'm just
0: saying. Yeah. Um, uh, There's also a fact here. No psychic detective has ever been praised or given official recognition by the FBI or U.S. National News for solving a crime, preventing a crime, or finding a kidnapped victim or corpse. Okay. Additionally, police detectives and other authors suggest that psychic detectives appear successful due to making common sense or high probability predictions such as finding bodies at dump sites or, again, near water. Mm-hmm. Um, while police departments claim they do not seek out or use psychics to solve crimes, they must follow up on all credible tips. Yeah. So this actually sort of gives the appearance that the police might be consulting psychics right. when really they are duty bound to, to not dismiss somebody's information because they're Right. Whether
1: they're psychic or not, they have to follow up on somebody saying, I have information about this thing and from wherever they got it, whether it's from the cosmos or whether it's that it was a rumor. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah, um, that's
1: an interesting point.
0: Uh, and then uh, this can also lead people to say things like, uh, uh, many people in the public continue to believe that psychics are secretly employed by law enforcement if they insist that they haven't been consulting psychics. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the police say they When do...
1: is this from? Do people really think
0: that? No, I, I think they're referring to sort of like common belief. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's a common belief. I guess it is. I think it is. I'm
1: surprised. I, I Well,
0: didn't... I we're also talking about very particular circles, right? Uh-huh. Like if you're a psychic and it, Oh, right? And you need to make it clear that you are legit. Uh-huh. Then like, oh well, I can't talk to you about all the cases I've been working on. Or, you know, well, the police won't give me credit for the good work that I've done. Cuz they can't. Right, cuz you didn't do anything.
1: But like, do people <laughs> commonly think that that psychics are secretly employed by the police? No that's what i'm saying no. I, I
0: i mean it also depends on what you mean by do people commonly think because it depends like, on what, what people yeah i know but said? again i think people is with a big old asterisk yeah. of like what people what people yeah this study is confusing I, I totally agree the whole thing is kind of confusing yeah. to be honest so here's a, a, a sort of interesting uh story the australian institute of Criminology. Would you agree that this is a better source than the yes. Committee for Skeptical Inquiry? Yes. Australia's official crime research agency advises parents of missing children not to resort to using psychics who approach them. Yeah. Former FBI analyst and profiler Clint Van Zant has criticized the use of psychic detectives and has stated that what happens many times is that professed psychics allow themselves the benefit of 2020 hindsight. So the same sort of thing. Oh, well, I said... I said by a body of water. I was I was right. Yeah. I was right. After the case is solved, they make their previously vague predictions somehow fit the crime and the criminal. A detailed 2010 study of Sylvia Brown. Oh. Yep. We're going to get Wretched. into her. I know. Uh, of Sylvia Brown's predictions, um, she Wait, a detailed 2010 study of Oh, oh! of Sylvia Brown's predictions about 115 missing persons in murder cases has been found that despite her repeated claims of being more than 85% correct, Brown has not even been mostly correct in a single case. That's terrible. Let's talk about Sylvia Brown.
1: Yeah, she's awful.
0: This is something that would paint um, all psychic detectives with a very broad brush. But... Sylvia Brown was a liar Mm -hmm. and a very damaging person who presented herself as somebody who could help or who could provide you the truth. Yeah, somebody credible. Yes. In 2002, she told the parents of 11-year-old Sean Hornbeck that he had been kidnapped by a dark-skinned Hispanic man with dreadlocks and was now deceased. Sean Hornbeck was found alive in 2007 having been kidnapped by a Caucasian short-haired guy. In November 2004, she told the mother of kidnapping victim Amanda Berry, quote, she's not alive, honey. Berry's mother died two years later believing that her daughter had been killed. Amanda Berry was found alive in May 2013 having been one of Ariel Castro's kidnapping victims. She actually saw that broadcast on TV, thought maybe Sylvia Brown would be able to help. And then heard Sylvia Brown tell her mother, She's dead,
1: That's horrible. So it's damaging on multiple levels.
0: Yes. It is grief-hawking. Yeah. It is opportunistic. Sylvia Brown would charge hundreds of dollars for like a 20-minute reading. She commissioned thousands of dollars per reading for an infamous cruise Mm -hmm. that she took where she would give people readings. Um, She did not appear to show any remorse whatsoever. Um, Just through and through, really a wretched... Horrible person.
1: Yeah. There is an article that John Ronson wrote about going on a Sylvia Brown cruise that appeared in the guardian. If yeah. you just Google John Ronson, Sylvia Brown cruise will come up. And I think it's also in his book lost at sea.
0: Yeah. It's, it's amazing too. Yeah. I, I love you. turned me on to John mm-hmm. Ronson a million years ago. Yeah. Absolutely. John Ronson heavy
1: work. episode. Cause he also wrote the men who stare at goats.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Sylvia Brown, fun facts though, to lighten it up. I just yeah. talked about some yeah. gnarly stuff. And again, I'm going to say that this is primarily the space that I I personally feel most psychic detectives operate on, uh, the Sylvia Brown level, Mm -hmm. but here are some goofball facts about her. Sylvia Brown played herself on The Young and the Restless in 2006. (laughs) That's good. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. Didn't have a chance to look it up before recording. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Would love to see it. On Larry King in 2003, she predicted that she would die at 88. Mm -hmm. She died... In 2013, at age 77. Now, what? wait. She got the double numbers. Yes. That is kind of my feeling, to be perfectly honest. She got the double numbers. Not terrible. Right? Yeah. If this was Monopoly, she'd get to roll again. Right. Yeah, except there's no seven on the die. Right, well. Yeah. So what kind of game is she playing?
1: That's what I'd like to know. Cheater. What kind of game are you playing?
0: Yeah. <laughs> what are you playing? <laughs> what are you playing? Um, in 2000, uh, Something called Brill's Content.
1: Okay. I don't know if
0: that's a good source or not. Examined 10 recent Montel Williams episodes that highlighted Brown's work as a psychic detective, spanning 35 cases. In 21 cases, the information predicted by Brown was too vague to verified. Mm-hmm. I see a tree, a tree nearby, and you just, there's no way that you can possibly get to unravel. It. Yep. Of the remaining 14 cases, law enforcement officials or family members stated Brown had played a no useful role. And yet she was gigantic. She was huge. I will also tell you, before we get into some pop culture psychic detectives, which are certainly more fun, lighter, mm-hmm. breezier. In researching this, once I learned the term psychic detective, I started using it and googling around. There are reputable news sources that will refer to psychic detective cases, um, like the the like Daily News, like newspaper outlets. Eh,
1: reputable. Well, yeah. yeah, but
0: you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. you, the common person would look to them as a trusted news source. Television, yeah, constantly has. These uh, psychic detectives on. There is a wonderful uh, segment of John Oliver's Last Week Tonight mm-hmm. where he digs into psychics in general, not just psychic detectives, psychics in general, and shows a bunch of different like there are he shows a bunch of news reports where they do like gotcha mm-hmm. to the psychic detective and be like, You said this person was dead. Yeah. This person is me. And it's so <laughs> this entertaining. Is me. It's so entertaining and wonderful. But there's also a thousand clips of like, you know, and again reputable with an asterisk, Mm -hmm. tons of Dr. Phil having psychic detectives on, Dr. Oz having psychics on, people that are watched during the day who a lot of people trust yeah. just referring to the psychic detective case possibly because it is a familiar enough concept that yeah. we're all entertained by yes. it and somewhat comforted
1: yes, by it. I think it's that.
0: The implication of a psychic detective is that there is somebody who's got their hand on the wheel mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that can guide us to finding justice. Right. So I understand it as a concept that can bring comfort theoretically i also understand it as a com- uh, as a concept that can be exploited wildly yeah. targeting people who feel particularly vulnerable yeah. my child is missing oh i can tell you some stuff it's horrible i just can't imagine it is miserable yeah it's just a misery spreading yeah uh, endeavor yeah um um All right, now let's talk about some goofy stuff. All right, cool. I started researching um, psychic detectives in pop culture. Here's a teeny tiny short one. I found out about a character from 1935 named Dr. Occult. Okay. <laughs> Dr. Occult. Not to put too fine a point on it. Uh, yes. Dr. Occult was like the victim of a ritualistic murder or something like that, but it... Turned him into Dr. Occult. Okay. <laughs> Here's the, the the thing that's special. Okay, so this
1: is a like a comic book character? Yes, yes, okay.
0: yes, 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 yes. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe I should have been more clear. <laughs> this did not happen in real life. Okay, gotcha. Dr. I- Occult was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, mm. the creators yeah. of Superman. They're big. Yes. Many people believe that Dr. Occult actually might be the proto-Superman.
1: Ah, oh, that's cool. He's
0: got like superpowers and he ends up using his occult knowledge to fight back. Sweet. Um, there is a character uh, written by Douglas Adams who I knew of in name only. I
1: would say I know that name.
0: Uh, Douglas Adams wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay. A widely beloved uh, series of books. He also created this character, Dirk Gently. Now I've heard the name Dirk Gently before and knew nothing about him. Um, I read the exactly this paragraph about him Kind of in love. In Douglas Adams' Dirk Gently novels, the titular character, a holistic detective, is implied to have psychic powers on occasion. One incident involved Gently attempting to scam his university classmates into paying for a set of answers to an exam, supposedly obtained using psychic powers that Gently did not know he had. Mm. To his surprise, the answers he provided, which he thought to have produced randomly just to make them buy stuff from him, turned out to be 100% correct. Nice. And he got expelled. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> yeah, that's great. I'm accidentally a psychic. Yeah, fantastic. And all these random answers turned out to be completely true. Love what, it.
1: What a thing to step in.
0: There is a widely uh, uh, beloved show called Psych,
1: Mm -hmm, I have not
0: seen a single episode of this show. Me
1: neither. People are always telling us to watch the Twin Peaks episode of Psych, but I still haven't seen it.
0: Maybe it's about time, because I don't think I really understood what Psych was. Mm -hmm. I knew that it had something to do with a psychic and detective work. Yes. I did not know it was this. Uh, It's about a guy named Sean Spencer, who consults for the Santa Barbara police as a psychic, but is really just a kind of Sherlock-y, like... He'll pick up on the minute detail that will unravel the thing. He's got like perfect recall and he's just, you know, uh, a Sherlock.
1: And so people are like, how could he possibly know this? And he lets them think that he's psychic.
0: Kind of. Uh, The answer is yes. But the the loops Mm -hmm. uh, of it all, like the hoops they've had to jump through to explain it are kind of fun. Sean originally became known as a psychic when, after calling in tips on dozens of crimes covered on the news, which helped the police close the cases, the police became suspicious of his knowledge. The police theorized that such knowledge could only come from the inside, and they decided to arrest him as a suspect. How could he possibly be giving us all these tips on these crimes Yeah. to avoid being sent to jail? Sean uses his observational skills to convince the police that he is psychic. The interim police chief warns Sean that if his powers are fake, he will be prosecuted. It's a little like a sitcom. Yeah. It's got a smack to it of Jerry Seinfeld's, uh, uh, the guy that hit his car becoming his butler?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about? Yeah, the, the Jerry sitcom within Seinfeld.
0: Yes, the judge sentences a guy to be Jerry Seinfeld's butler. Yeah, like, it's that's just, the like,
1: premise of the TV show that they're pitching to NBC inside Seinfeld.
0: Yeah, with well, the real thing is like, how the hell are we going to establish the premise? Just do it. Fine. it there's a little wackiness to this, I
1: think it's kind of a wacky show.
0: Yes, yeah. exactly. But honestly, it sounds kind of fun. It sounds kind of fun. There are eight seasons. They made mm-hmm. a movie a couple years ago. They evidently already made a sequel, which is going to be coming out on Peacock. You know, I'd give that a look. I am not against it. I would like to see the Twin Peaks episode. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, I can imagine watching some yeah. of this. Um, okay, for something kind of fun. And let's bring it home with this guy. And admittedly, it's it's a little long.
1: Guy, you don't have Allison Dubois. Who's the inspiration for the TV show Medium? No. Okay. Medium was a TV show on like NBC or something that Patricia Arquette played the lead role in and she was a medium who helps the cops solve things. Wow. That was based on a woman named Allison Dubois who appeared in an episode of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills that is legendary and she was a nut and a half.
0: Oh, really? So you guys
1: can look that up at home.
0: Oh, that's it. Yeah. I had no idea about that. Yeah. Alessandra Dubois. I really wanted to. Our sister
1: Lynn loves medium.
0: Is that right? Yes. I really wanted to trace back the origin of Mm -hmm. the psychic detective. Mm -hmm. And I think I found it. Okay. Um, So I found out about a a fictional character named Flaxman Lowe. Wow. Terrible name. It was, this, this character was created by British authors Hesketh, Hesketh Pritchard. That's right. First name, Hesketh. Last name, Hesketh Pritchard. Okay. And his mother, Kate O'Brien Rial Pritchard. Wowie kazowie. A mother-son writing team. I mean, that's sweet. How rare is that? So many names. Flaxman Lowe, their character, is a pseudonym of, quote, one of the leading scientists of the Victorian era, whose real name is not disclosed in any of the stories. Mm. So these stories purport that Flaxman Lowe is a real person who this mother-son duo are writing about and creating a fake name for him to protect his identity. So it's almost in a way like a found footage kind of vibe of like, we're going to tell his stories, but we cannot reveal his identity. Um. He was an, uh, an accomplished athlete in his youth and then turned his interest to a scientific study of the occult. Now, the the Pritchard team, the mother and son team, originally wrote these Flaxman Lowe stories for a press baron named Cyril Arthur Pearson. What the who, hell
1: is going on? I know,
0: it's crazy. I, I, <laughs> yes, just bear with me because okay. it's rad. Okay. He had his own magazine called Pearson's Magazine, In 1898, and he published these Flaxman Lowe stories. Mm -hmm. The Pritchard mother-son writing team were really excited to have their stories published, but they were really upset when they were actually pushed out the door because Pearson's magazine um, essentially purported to say that these were true stories rather than fiction. Okay. So these were published as if they were actually real. Okay. (laughs) The first story I read It is called The Story of the Spaniards, Hammersmith.
1: Okay. It's just all these just words and letters just jumbled together. It's this is having a hard time following this. It is a
0: little bit as if like I got like knocked on the head and just words are coming (laughs) out randomly. It's gonna be more of a story from here on out. So here's the story. The first Flaxman Lowe psychic detective story. By the way, the reason I'm even talking about this, I don't think I even said this. Flaxman Lowe is the first instance of a psychic Mm -hmm. paranormal occult detective in fiction at all. Gotcha. 1898 is where this was born. Okay. Um, So within the story, a man named Roderick Houston inherits a house from his. Don't, don't give me that look. I'm gonna try. I'm trying to get through it. All right, go ahead. you're you're right. You're right. Okay. A man named Roderick Houston inherits an old house from uh, an elderly relative. It's sort of the classic, like, well, I didn't know this old relative gave me his mansion. Yeah. He starts renting it out because he needs the money. However, none of his renters stay for long, leading him to. Uh, Investigate and find out that a lot of people are crying ghost. Mm-hmm. So he reaches out to his old friend Flaxman Lowe. He thinks back to a time at Oxford when old Flaxman was buried in his work, but received an emergency request to sub in for some sort of athletic event. So <laughs> Flaxman Low, <laughs> there's a little, there's also a little bit of uh, Agent Michael Scarn uh-huh. to this because Flaxman Low <laughs> he Lowe can do is, everything. He can do everything. So here, here's here's a quote because he. Flaxman Lowe's been studying at Oxford. Somebody's like, "Oh no, whoever's going to?" And I don't understand what sport this is, but they're like, "Who's going to throw the hammer?" Yeah. Who's going to throw the hammer? Let's ask Flaxman Lowe. And so it's what is the
1: story? I don't understand anything. <laughs>
0: It'll. <laughs> it's great. I promise you, it's great.
1: <laughs> I'm enjoying it, but I'm just saying, I don't know what the hell is going it's on. It's
0: wacky. Oh. We're establishing why Flaxman Lowe is the best of the best. Okay. So they say, Flaxman, will you play? this athletic thing for us we know that you're in knee deep in your studies Uh so he sends a note that just says i'll be there and then here's a quote from the story thereupon he finished the treaties upon which he was engaged and next day his strong lean figure was to be seen swinging the hammer amidst vociferous cheering for that was the occasion on which not only he won the event but beat the record So, Flaxman Lowe is so amazing. Yeah. He was so buried in his work, but he just, yeah, oh, sure, I'll do your athletic thing, and destroys the race. He's uh, (laughs) incredible. Anyway, so, Roderick Houston has asked Flaxman Lowe to come. He needs help. He explains, uh, it is a good house, but there is said to be something wrong with it which I love the phrasing. It lets easily, meaning it rents easily, but unluckily, the tenants cannot be persuaded to remain above a week or two. They complain that the place is haunted by something, presumably a ghost. Yeah, that sounds right. If it's haunted, completely agreed. Roderick (laughs) Houston. Floxman agrees. Smash cut. They're at the house. Um, uh, Flaxman Lowe has asked to let all the staff go. Nobody is to be at the house for the following week. It's just him and Roderick Houston. He's going to do his scientific process. He doesn't want anybody messing with his investigation on arrival. Flaxman sees the house and thinks to himself that the house might have come from the back of beyond. Mm. Uh, it gave the impression of something old world, something exotic. um, And he asks, so you have seen something yourself since you came home? As they sat down to dinner. And uh, Roderick explains, I've heard tapping up and down the passage upstairs. It is an uncarpeted landing, which runs the whole length of the house. One night, when I was quicker than usual, I saw what looked like a bladder disappear into one of the bedrooms. Your room it is to be, by the way. And the door closed behind it. The usual meaningless antics of a ghost. <laughs> you know. You know, old ghost stuff. Yeah, great. <laughs> he then, Roderick starts to also tell the story of old Philberg, <laughs> who stayed at the house. <laughs> but when he was leaving, chatted up like whoever was running the house and was going to take his payment for renting. And said Uh, he was afraid he had done a little shooting practice in the upper passage and didn't want them to add the damages to his bill. He explains that he shot his gun inside the house in self-defense. Quote, he said something had jumped onto the bed and tried to strangle him. He described it as cold and glutinous, and he pursued it down the passage, firing at it. They keep talking about what could possibly be happening, leading Roderick to explain the backstory, the haunted history of the house. The house was originally owned by Van Nysen, Mm. who was an invalid, he says, and lived alone. Van Nysen's wife refused to come to the house until he finally put up enough of a stink that she relented and came in. One morning, she was found dead in bed, having suffocated. The very same bedroom where Flaxman Lowe is now sleeping mm-hmm. and where, quote, a bladder was seen entering. Yeah. Um
1: I mean, couldn't it don't some people call like like a hot water bottle, like a bladder. Uh, that's
0: what I was you know kind what I mean? of thinking. like. They're not
1: just talking about like an anatomical bladder. It's just like a big bag. I know, or something. but I still couldn't. It's no, it's still weird. But I just wonder if that's what they're referring to. Possibly, I yeah. think it's
0: definitely a different definition of bladder than what mm-hmm. I've been thinking. Um, so, um, Flaxman Lowe goes like she suffocated in bed. What's the story with that? And uh Hud's uh whatever his name is, Roderick Houston explains, she had been in the habit of taking narcotics, and it was supposed that she smothered herself under their influence. That doesn't sound very satisfactory, replied Flaxman Lowe. Not at all. Crack detective. Yeah. You're right, I'm not satisfied.
1: Yes. But You're right, this guy is the best psychic detective ever.
0: <laughs> So they're talking about all of this and Flaxman Lowe, what he's really getting at by trying to understand the past of the house is actually his methodology for divining the truth. Mm -hmm. So he wants to know what are all the things that are said to have happened in this. He's
1: finding out all of the evidence.
0: Yes. What have people seen in here? And what was this place like before all this horribleness occurred? Because maybe we should attach the two Mm -hmm. to figure out why. What it used to be like yielded what the ghosts are like. Yeah. And this is when he explains his method, which I actually kind of like. Flaxman Lowe finally says something rad. He says, remember that what appears to us to be uh, foolish may be wisdom in the spirit world, since our unready senses can only catch broken glimpses of what is. I have not the slightest doubt a coherent whole if we could trace the connection. We must look for the links which lie between suppose a saddle and a horseshoe were shown to a man who had never seen a horse i doubt whether he however intelligent could evolve the connection can, could could evolve the connecting idea the ways of spirits are strange to us simply because we need further data to help us interpret them yeah i that's awesome what a fantastic way to explain the unexplainable. Mm -hmm. We do not understand why- We don't
1: have the context.
0: Yes. Why is a bladder floating around? Why the suffocating? Why the tapping? What the hell is going on? It's because we don't understand the full truth. Mm -hmm. And so it actually starts to dip into scientific method. We need to understand as much as possible so that all the evidence will make sense and we can piece it all together like a puzzle. Yeah. This is something that I could almost hear Sherlock Holmes explaining. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Aside
0: from the fact that it's literally about a ghost in Flaxman Lowe's case. Right. Okay.
1: But still, it's not not an outlandish way to look at
0: something. No, and it's surprisingly inviting. Right. Imagine giving a horseshoe and a saddle to somebody. They've never seen a horse and ask them, how are these things connected? Right. I don't know. I put the horseshoe on my head (laughs) yeah i don't know these things are made of completely
1: (laughs) different materials they're different sizes like yeah yeah. one
0: is little one is big i have no idea what the hell this is it doesn't make you stupid for not knowing you just haven't seen a horse before Mm -hmm. um So that's awesome. I was very excited to read the remainder of this story because I was like, "Oh, okay." So they're giving us the bits and pieces, classic like sort of detective story. Here are all the little tiny pieces of evidence. It's all going to come together at the end. There is even a wonderful sort of like Sherlock Watson moment where he goes like, "Uh, "Do you not see it yet, Mm -hmm. Roderick? Do you not? I will give you one more evening (laughs) to understand. We will. We will." Perform another investigation. They do a few things, like he puts a bunch of sand in that passageway upstairs to try to see what that tapping, if the tapping will disturb the sand.
1: Ah, night baby powder in paranormal activity.
0: Yes, exactly. One night- Is it
1: baby powder or is it flour? It's white stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's the white stuff. Yeah. So uh, one night, uh, because most nights they've been staying up late to try to see who's tapping around and see if they can catch the bladder. Mm -hmm. One night they're like, all right, you know what? We're not seeing anything. Flaxman Lowe just goes to bed. And it's that night in particular that he experiences something. When you let your guard down. Yeah. He feels pressure on his legs in bed as if something is suddenly on top of him. And he starts explaining his inner monologue. He doesn't know whether or not something just jumped up onto the bed. Did something slowly creep up on him? He has no idea, but he starts to feel it moving up his body. No, not moving up his body. Spreading up his body Ooh. like some great big horrible sheet is enveloping his entire body and soon it's going to crawl over his face and suffocate him this must be how Van Niesen's wife died when she was said to have taken all those narcotics and suffocated in bed it wasn't murder it was this thing unfolding on top of her and squeezing the life out of her Mm -hmm. um he barely manages to get away from it i think he literally escapes by punching it okay and describes how it feels like disgustingly soft and fleshy Mm -hmm. um they end up seeing um like clawed feet in the sand that they put in the passage and drag marks On either side of it, and this is approximately where Flaxman Lowe starts going, Aha, I see the truth. Do you understand, Roderick Houston? And eventually, the solution is revealed. Kristen? Yes. Do you think it's satisfying? I don't know. Do you think you could guess? I have given you everything you need to know. Okay. Yeah. Um, It is not satisfying. Okay. Uh, Here is the solution to the first (laughs) ever psychic detective story ever published. Flaxman Lowe, House of Spaniards, Hammersville. Old Van Nysen wasn't just an invalid. He was a leper. And the, uh, the sort of like claw marks that we saw on the sand were because his foot oh. turned into a claw. Okay. And the drag marks on either side were his crutches. Oh, okay. And he did murder his wife. <laughs> he did suffocate her. He did kill her. She, it was said, did not want to come to, uh, to live with him purely because of his leprosy. That's also why she had her own bedroom, the very bedroom where Flaxman Lowe has been staying. And it was then that Van Nysen suffocated her, killing her, and then finally killed himself. But his body was never found. It is somewhere still on these premises. And its spirit is still wandering the halls, frequently reenacting the crime. Hence, trying to suffocate Flaxman Lowe. There's an odd suggestion in here that a spirit may be literally um, using the still yet undiscovered body of Van Niesen to what? do this bidding, like a spirit possessing a dead body to come out and do this stuff, So, but that does not track with what we saw Flaxman Lowe go through um
1: what so it was? are they saying that it wasn't even van nysen really who killed his wife like he was possessed no they're or, saying van nysen killed okay his so wife. van nysen did kill his nysen did kill his wife and yet it's not him who was going after flax whatever his name is right it's another spirit using his body possibly
0: that's a lot yes it, it, it oh a lot is right yeah Kristen, it's a lot a lot. Here's what I'm going to say for Flaxman Lowe because that's essentially where it wraps up. Okay. They then at a certain point like <laughs> uh, Roderick Houston is like well what, what would be your suggestion of what to do here? What should we just tear the house down? To which I'm thinking Flexman Lowe will have a better answer. He's going to be like, no, no, no. here's Does how he we say, get the body. No, let's tear it down. Yes. <laughs> and they immediately tear it down. That's funny. They instantly tear the house down. And they all find, right, problem solved. they find a body under the floorboards who appears to have been a, a leper, thereby proving that uh, Flexman Lowe was right all this time. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is a really... Oh, and the bladder, mm-hmm. the floating bladder was... Um, Uh, He had, uh, you know, if he's walking around on crutches, he's got one of his legs bent at the knee. Okay. And it was deformed because of his leprosy. And so it looked kind of weirdly misshapen. This stinks.
1: Also, he doesn't sound that psychic to me. Isn't he just kind of, how did he figure this out with his psychic ability?
0: Uh, I guess.
1: It sounds like just a detective story. (laughs) Maybe, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's obviously in there, because that's how you found it. But I'm not hearing where his second sight kicked in.
0: You're right. Look, don't worry about it. (laughs) You're right. I made a mistake. All right, let's start over. No. (laughs) Let's start over. Let's start from the top. It's
1: obviously in there.
0: No, we got to, too late. We got to start completely over. No, we've
1: already been talking about Flaxman Lowe for like half an hour. It's over.
0: (laughs) Listen, it's pretty rad. Uh, The (laughs) other thing that I I, I just need to tell you is that the actual description of Flaxman Lowe being attacked by the spirit, or Mm -hmm. whatever the hell it is awesome. Yeah. It also brought to mind a theory that I have brought up on this show many times of Flaxman Lowe and Roderick Hudson stayed up every night to see if they could catch the spirit. It wasn't until they stopped mm, deliberately yeah. looking for it that it came to them. Yeah. If this stuff exists, I think it only exists in the peripheral yes. of your of your senses.
1: The peripheral, the liminal, all of
0: it. Um, totally. But yeah, like the, the actual description of the thing like climbing up his body is really interesting he tried to move his lower limbs but could not because of the deadening weight a feeling of drowsiness began to overpower him and a deadly cold such as he said he had felt before at sea when in the neighborhood of icebergs like the description yeah. of this stuff is actually really great yeah totally and maybe it's, it's want it's to cool. read more flaxman low stories are there a lot of them yeah, there uh, there's not a ton. Mm-hmm. They were only ever written between 1989 and 19 or 1889 okay, and so 1990. Yeah. I was surprised. Okay. 1989. Yeah. No, there are only like maybe a dozen of them or mm-hmm. something like that. It's um, a lot. Precious, there are a lot, but still that's like precious little for mm-hmm. like you know, uh, I don't know. You you think today yeah. of like there being sort of like countless entries to franchises and mm-hmm. stuff, but no, this thing was like made and then sort of like forgotten yeah um well not by us not by us not by you no the, Bring the stories Flaxman low back yeah
1: flaxman, flaxman
0: low rides again yeah the world's gonna be obsessed with thanks low yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry whatever their names were hesketh hesketh pritchard and kate o'brien real pritchard we carry your legacy flaxman low has returned <laughs> but we're going to go now.
1: Well, that's awesome. (laughs) I never heard of that. That's very cool.
0: You're so right. He's not a psychic. I I got so consumed by the fact that he said to be the first psychic detective. There's nothing psychic about him.
1: Yeah. Like where? I don't know. It must be in there. He
0: was determined, right? Like he was doggedly determined to, to investigate. He didn't let the bounds of logic and uh, um, scientific method prevent him from thinking about spirits. And it
1: ended up being, it sounds like kind of a paranormal crime.
0: Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So maybe
1: that's kind of where it comes in, and maybe maybe he divined that or something.
0: Yeah. Well, he is divine.
1: He is. He is divine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but there you the go. The divine Mr. L. All right. We're at the end. <laughs> All right. It's over now. <laughs>
1: All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Guides the Unknown. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Looks like Will did. He's chuckling away over I there. I did. Hey,
0: uh, uh, bring back the Flaxman low files. Remember that show. <laughs> remember that show of course I remember that show Rob Lowe and his sons <laughs> the Lowe Files Maybe Rob Lowe is descended from Flaxman Lowe
1: but it looks like Lowe is spelled L-O-W not L-O-W-E you know Although damn well names change. change over time is, wait a second <laughs> <laughs> Never what you say is, is the Lowe Files just a play on <laughs> Flexman, Flexman Low, Low because it was all scary stuff Yeah,
0: weirdly it's like enough, a deep cut easter egg weirdly enough it had nothing to do with their ne- last name being Low. <laughs> it had nothing to do with this no one has ever no, heard of it before that's why nobody
1: realized
0: psychic detective novels
1: except for us we realized yeah
0: we realized alright
1: and we realized that we love you, and we <laughs> want you to hang out with us we want you to spend time with us and here's how you can do that you can go to the Guides the Unknown Facebook group by going to Facebook Dot com slash groups slash GTTU pod asks to join and then you're going to hang out with hundreds of very cool people who are interested in the same things that you are. You can also go to patreon.com slash GTTU pod. If you join the Netherworld Warrior tier for four dollars or more per month, you're going to get tons of bonuses, a guaranteed bonus episode every month, and then just things we sprinkle around because we feel like it and we like making things and sharing them.
0: Yeah, there's a ton of really fun stuff up there. Again, we just uploaded our Scream 3 commentary, full feature-length commentary. Start your movie, hit play on our commentary, and go for it. Honestly, if you're familiar enough with Scream 3, you can probably just listen to the commentary and get a very comparable experience. Yes, definitely. Um, Yeah, if you want to keep up with Guide to the Unknown, follow at GTTUPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can also follow us individually online.
1: That's right. I'm at Chillin' Kristen on Instagram and Twitter.
0: I am The Myth Traveler.
1: We would also really appreciate it if you left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Yeah, that would be great. Spread the word. Let your friends know. Uh, tell everybody you've ever met. Um, mm-hmm. Also, a reminder that you can always watch this very show on YouTube.com talkbomb Talk Bomb. Guide to the Unknown is both an audio show on podcast apps and a video show on YouTube. So if you want to see our ugly mugs, drink mm-hmm. it out of our Guide to the Unknown mugs. Hit us up. Uh, so, thank you all so much. We'll be back next week to talk about terrifying, tantalizing tales. Go for another tea. From the. From the. Terrible. Tornado of. Truth? Truth. <laughs> we gotta go. But until that time comes, <laughs> we must travel. Back
1: to the netherworld, go we. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think You can hear my. <laughs> Could you hear it? Damn uh, it.
0: I didn't, I didn't hear a thing. Honestly, I guessed <laughs> what sound you made. I guess That's it was what really it was. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah.